for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher. Or visit MonsterKidRadio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20-watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a glary. You're listening to KZON, only in public radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, T.B. Spitzer, in former days, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. Hey everyone, it's me, D.B. Spitzer, and this guy over here to my virtual left. What are you doing over there, Dave? You're supposed to be over here. I like to mix things up. All right. So now if you've got a, if got one of those fancy pantsy headphones i'm coming into your right ear yes just because that's the way i roll well i'll balance it out in the sound so that people 
you know, people oh. with only one speaker will be able to hear it, right? Hey, Dave, Dave, how's how's your August going? Happy August, everyone. I hope I hope everyone's we're, doing we're, well. We're getting out of practice, and uh, uh, next week we're going to be doing the raisin eating competition of the Goat Olympics. Nice, nice. Good to hear. Good to hear the Goat Olympics are still going on well. Yeah, no, um, let's see, uh, news in town, let's, uh, uh, Oblivion's has a new sandwich, they have, uh, a bacon melt, and it's, it's just bacon, and bacon, and bacon, the bread's made of bacon, they made bacon bread, they made bread, then they ground up the bread to make a flour, well, they ground up the bacon to make flour bread, anyways, it's crazy, it's, it, it, it totally blows the Chuck, uh, Chuck Norris Chuck Wagon, which was 15 pounds of Chuck on, uh, anyway, anyway, they, they don't make that anymore. Too many people had heart attacks, but the bacon, 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 bacon melt is going to be amazing. Um, I'm not allowed to. And then they melt it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. And with this heat, this kind of heat that we've been having lately, it's, yeah. I, I, my doctor says I'm not allowed to eat it, so I'm not even allowed to look at it or only like a triple bypass surgery. Uh, you have to wear a class four hazmat suit with lead lining just to walk by it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, and uh, I don't know. I, I I think if 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 uh, you eat two of them, you may end up becoming a Marvel supervillain based on uh, some pork porker ba bacon based Marvel supervillain. But the hamburger, <laughs> the bacon nader. You, you fight. You fight Peter Pork Porker. <laughs> Oh man, comic books and, and food. We don't talk about that enough. So so Dave, we've got the Goat Olympics going on. We've got food in town going on. What's going on in the Cthulhu Mythos? What are we talking about this week? Well, so we are talking about everybody's favorite fictitious town, Arkham, and the great old one, Afumza. Okay, okay. So I did some research this week. And I found out that Arkham isn't just the place where the Joker lives. It's also the place where the Scarecrow lives. Um, and Afumza, I looked it up, and you know who made Afumza? Linda Wonder Woman Carter. No, no, so it was not created by Linda Carter. It was created by Lynn Carter. Oh. The, the writer in the 1985s. And... Um, now, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of Lynn Carter, but he had this big old 70s porn stash. Yeah, he and looked I'm like a bass player in a metal band. <laughs> spinning around, yeah, just spinning around in a Wonder Woman, cost, woman costume. But yeah, so it was <laughs> Lynn Carter, not Linda Carter. Oh, I know Lynn Carter. Lynn Carter's that guy who writes the stuff that's amazing for RPGs. Like, if you need a background on any ancient mythos creature or any timeline or anything like that, there's a chance Lynn Carter wrote a poem about it that isn't so much a poem as it is just, like, really good information for, like, Ken Height to go, hmm, well, a voopsaw needs uh, some sort of background. Well, hmm, good thing Lynn Carter wrote a 12-page poem. That that was my terrible Ken Height impersonation, everyone. <laughs> well, I, I thought I, I thought Ken was in the room. Uh, yeah, but, but yes, and that and that he did have just an awesome mustache. Oh yeah. So so Afumza. Yeah. And um, basically, 
appears in one story. Oh, okay. And he's mentioned just like you know they always throw in you know Cthulhu's name or Hostor's oh, yeah. name. He, he mentioned him in several. Okay. But he only really appears in one. Oh. And it's a uh, acolyte of the flames. And the only place, and this is where I have my copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only place that I know of that still publishes it now. Uh, is called Cthulhu Fiction from Chaosium. Gotcha. It's in the Book of uh, Even. I have the, that book. The, 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 the collection, the Book of Even. Yeah, I have not that the one. the actual Book of Even. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it's in, because it's supposed to actually be part of the Nautic, um, and it's spelled with a P, but I guess it's silent, uh, the Nautic fr- uh, Fragments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. But because at the end it talks a little bit about something about the Book of Eben and, uh, you know, uh, that's they put it in the, the appendix mm-hmm. of uh, Chaosium's Book of Eben. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. That's pretty cool. That's and, pretty cool. And, and so we're going to kind of spoil it here. So you may not have read this 35-year-old story, mm-hmm. but to the overall arching history of the, the, the mythos, He's actually pretty important because, spoiler alert, he is the destroyer of Hyboria. Yep, yep. So, um, the in, in the uh, the short story, it's told from the perspective of a, a monk mm-hmm. uh, of the uh, Nautic order. Mm-hmm. Who now Hyboria is um, this sort of advanced i think they were up to like iron age like before written civilization sure in either greenland or iceland okay uh and it's the the home of the the mirrors and um so there it's destroyed by the ice age okay and so in this story the monk decides he's going to go ahead and, and try to save his homeland by releasing afamza who is who is a son of um, Cthulhu? Or well, yes. Although, although if you look in the 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 newest version of Chaosium, uh, big old monster book for the game, mm-hmm. playing, it kind of says, well, maybe he's not. It's a, a rumor, mm-hmm. but but in this story, it's pretty much laid out because, and, and this is a very Deluthian heresy, war, uh, war in the heavens. That the elder gods basically imprisoned his dad, mm-hmm. but could not imprison his children. Okay. So he escapes throughout the cosmos. Gotcha. And the elder gods basically run him down into this planet. So, so the. Uh, this priest, the the the, the Nautic uh, Brotherhood, mm-hmm. he thinks that he can save, you know, Hyboria by riding off into space in this Baki and sort of removing what is pen, you know, pinning uh, off of Zom into this planet, hmm. and instead, it comes down and it causes the Ice Age. And speeds up the destruction of Hyboria. Whoa, that's pretty crazy. I think I have an idea of what we might talk about this week on D and D on D and D or D and D on C O C RPG. <laughs> so, 
that's pretty cool, Dave. That's 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 a pretty cool rundown on. Uh... Uh, much to the surprise of my Roman history 102, uh, the empire to uh, Aurelius Maximus uh, teacher. Yeah. I did the reading. <laughs> that's pretty good. And uh, let's see. We've also got some talk this week about Arkham. I know I joked earlier about how I was like, oh, Arkham Asylum from Batman, but we're actually talking about Arkham Arkham. Where did... And, and, and the two are related. The, the two are related. Like, we were just talking before the show, uh, we were talking about Danvers State, uh, where, where, where the concept of the mental institution in Massachusetts, the massive men's mental institution... <laughs> the massive mental institution in Massachusetts where that comes from, which is Danvers State for the Criminally Insane, or whatever it was called. I can't remember. You looked it up yeah, before so, the show. So it, it, it's Danvers State Hospital. Okay, all right. Uh, at least that's what it's referred to as now. Yeah. And it was originally the Danvers Lunatic Asylum, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or the Lunatic Hospital of Danvers, yeah. or the State Lunatic um, and it, Danvers is used actually in um, uh, the Shadow over Innsmouth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's where the, the the crazy cousin is that he's going to break out. Yeah. And, and Pickman's model. Yeah, yeah. So Arkham was created not by Lovecraft. Yeah. Oh no, I mean Arkham Asylum mm -hmm. was not created by Lovecraft, but Robert E. Howard in his short story. Uh, the Black Stone. Okay. As a place, and it wasn't Arkham Asylum, it was Arkham Sanitarium. Gotcha. And it was for a place to put Justin Godfrey, the mad poet who who slept next to the Black, the, Stone. The Black Stone and got yeah. all these crazy dreams. Yikes. And Lovecraft was just thrilled that his friend used it, mm -hmm. that he uses it in uh, the thing at the doorstep. Okay. All right. And... and and the first person to use Arkham Asylum mm -hmm. is Denny O'Neill, yeah. who basically um, created Silver Age comics with his Green Lantern, or, or no, excuse me, Bronze Age comics, from the Silver to the Bronze Age, mm -hmm. with his Green Lantern, uh, Green Arrow, you know, where they basically hopped on a truck and drove all over America, um, solving sort of social issues at the time. Yeah. And, and I was at a, a con with Denny O'Neill, and I, I asked him, I said, you know, did you get the, the name for uh, Arkham Asylum from Arkham Sanitarium? He said, yes, we were all just, we all loved the pulps. And he said, yeah, somebody suggested it at a roundtable meeting. And he said, we just, that was our aha ha moment. Nice. Very nice. I, I remember there was a issue of TMNT, I think it was uh, issue 21 of the original, uh, the original run from Mirage Comics, where the, uh, the boys end up in Arkham, Massachusetts, and they're using giant robots and fighting vampires. I think it's episode or issue 21 or 23. It's somewhere in there. Uh, if, if you can find it, I highly recommend tracking it down. It's a, it's a fun, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles loved it in the n n late eighties, early nineties. Haven't picked it up in a while. Um, I, I guess that's, that's, that's a, a story for a lot of people, but yeah, no, um, comic books, the mythos pulps, it all, it all, 
all, all, all comes together in some really great ways. And one way that the, the, the pulps and comics have come together is Arkham. But, we're, you know, we're specifically talking about Arkham, Massachusetts, the uh, setting for a bunch of Cthulhu mythos stories. Uh, we're going to have Ken Height saying which specific mythos stories it comes from. But, uh, like, where do you... Okay, Arkham, where does it come from? Like... So, so I think it's very obvious from when he talks about the witch tales mm -hmm. that, that it, it's Lovecraft bases it on Salem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course Ken just said it much well say it much better than I did. But <laughs> but this is this is this is Lovecraft's version of Salem. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. No, and uh I might be totally wrong on this, but Danvers, I think like the town of Danvers, it's kind of like uh you know, the place that Massachusetts, like, we're really ashamed about the fact that we burned a bunch of women. We're going to forget that that town even existed, that that township even existed. We're going to kind of move some stuff around and call some things some different things. And I think Danvers is one of those towns that used to exist in the old Salem township. I could be wrong, but that's the kind of stuff that happened back then. So, hey. and, I, and, I, and I'm not going to correct you because I, as far as I know, you are correct. Yeah, we'll just pretend I'm correct and create some misinformation. And if it is misinformation and you find out that it's uh, uh, wrong, roll it into your RPG. Use, use my inf misinformation for your gain. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, all right. So you you've got some interview. Uh, you've you've got an interview this week as well. Uh, I'm talking to Ken. Who are you talking to, Dave? <clears throat> so you are talking to Ken. Yes. And I am talking to Jen. Ah. And that is Jen Westerson. Okay. Who is very articulate person, and you're soon to hear. Cool. But she also a prolific writer. Uh, writing everything from horror to steampunk to mixed together. Nice. Very nice. Very, very cool. All fun genres. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm excited to hear that. And we're going to hear that right now. Then we're going to hear some Ken. And then me and Dave are going to come back. And we're going to talk about, uh, I don't know, how to use some of this stuff in your RPG. And we'll talk about that in a bit. And, hey, maybe we'll even have some media recommendations. I don't know what Dave's been watching. Dave doesn't know what I've been up to. We'll talk about that. All right. We'll see you after the break. Dave, Dave has been watching a guilty pleasure. Uh-oh. All right. We'll talk about that in a moment. And, hey, check out the links in the show notes. Help support the shows that help support us. And, you know, we can get some uh, better equipment. Uh, and, uh, I don't know, maybe show up at a convention and uh, give you free stickers. Ooh. All right. Uh, see you after the break. Editor's note. Jerry Westerson. Dave didn't have his notes in front of him. We apologize, Jerry. And it doesn't... I don't think we make the mistake. And second, uh, I, I interviewed Ken a couple weeks back. Ken's not out looking for a Delta variant this weekend. I'm, I'm pretty sure Ken probably is being very safe and not out there mixing it up without a mask or anything like that. Uh, and back to the show. 
Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show and how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose-leaf and common broken-leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Donner. Check out the show notes to find a good deal at Donner. Like the sound of this? This is the Donner Island Delay. And the really cool Donner LP that I've shown off on, like, Instagram. Check it out. Uh, They've got some really good summer deals. And check out their snap deals as well. Use the link in the show notes to help support the show. Get yourself some cool musical instruments. Maybe some patch chords. Cool. back to the show and i am taking a break from loading up goats to take up to sandy for the 2021 goat olympics because i wanted to interview jerry uh westernson and jerry is a a very prolific author uh jerry could you maybe tell us a little bit about what you do well um i'm mostly known for my crispin guest medieval noir series it's a mystery series set in 14th century London. You you and had me at medieval and noir. Medieval noir. That's correct. Yeah, you <laughs> had me at both of those. my own genre. <laughs> so, uh, well, I wanted a hard-boiled detective set in the Middle Ages. So that's what he is. He's the tracker, and he's he's a guy who used to be a knight and lord and lost it all through a treasonous act and had to reinvent himself as a private detective and so he stalks the mean streets of 14th century london solving crimes um that are not anachronistic to the time period so it's a lot of fun and it's some of it's dark some of it's very humorous and it's all a lot of fun and that series is coming to a close with the 15th book this year it's going to be releasing in um december the deadliest sin uh, but I also write uh, some other things besides other histor- standalone historical fiction novels. I have um, 
delved back into my first love, the, all the stuff, the sci-fi and fantasy I used to read in high school and college. And I have a, a uh, urban fantasy, Book of the Hidden, book with E at the end, Book of the Hidden. That's a paranormal series. And um, I've also got a spin-off series from that one, a werewolf mystery series, Moonrisers. And that's uh, humorous. The, the fellow in charge of uh, in that book, the protagonist, is a surfer and a player and has a werewolf problem. So that's that's a fun book series uh, that has two books so far. And I am finishing up this year my Enchanter Chronicles series, a gas lamp steampunk series. Uh, and uh, that is the, the third book I'm uh, going to be releasing in October called Library of the Damned. One of my favorite all-time titles there. So, um, yeah, I'm into a few things and uh, more more interesting books and genres to come. Excellent. And people who are interested in that, where would where would they go? And uh, we'll put a we'll put some links here on uh, the show notes. But where could someone get uh more information on your books and maybe even get a couple. Well, they would go directly to my website, jerrywesterson.com, and it's J E R I Westerson.com. And I will pop up right there and you can look at uh, all of the uh, series uh, book trailers that we've been produce, producing. And um, I have a Wikipedia page and all kinds of good stuff. So you'll find all kinds of interesting things there. Excellent. Excellent. So, you know, you said that you, as a, uh, a young person or a younger person that you really like, you know, science fiction and horror. Uh, how did you get introduced to uh, the mythos or, or Lovecraft? Well, you know, I I don't know why it took so long. I I just got into H.P. Lovecraft. Now I heard of him for years and years, but only it's been a few years ago that I finally sat down and said, well, I'm going to read these because I keep hearing about them. And I said, wow, what, what the heck was stopping me before? These are fantastic. Uh, and I also recognized a few of them from, oh, you know, I think a few like night galleries or some other sort of TV shows of, of the past where they tried to do them. Yes. Um, and I, and the, for some reason, I nobody can seem to do a proper film or or tv show on them um i'll get to lovecraft country in a second but i i think the problem is how do you depict dread how do you depict that the anxiety and strangeness that overcomes you when you experience the lovecraft mythos so you know maybe that's just impossible to show but I think uh, Lovecraft Country, the the recent uh, television show, based on uh, the based Matt, on the uh, novel uh, Matt Ruff book, right? And and that works because of the different layers uh, of of the mythos, Lovecraft himself, and we'll I'm sure we'll talk about the racism there. Um, but yeah, that that works on that level, and yeah, you get. You get a good feeling of of that dread. Maybe filmmakers have just not reached down to try to um, try to depict that in 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 uh, really 
descriptive ways. I don't know. It, that's it's a toughie. But so, uh, so I'm going to make a I'm going to make a recommendation here. I don't know if you've seen this or uh, the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society did Call of Cthulhu as a silent 1920s movie. I don't know. Have you seen that? No, I have not. It used to be on Netflix. I don't think it is, but you can find it. Mm-hmm. And they've also done um, Whispers in the Dark, which I admit yeah. I have not seen, that people tell me it's even better. Oh. And, and because it's the 1920s, it's because they chose to do it black and white mm-hmm. and as a silent film, I think that's does the best job it of catching it. Creepier. it. Yeah. yeah. Like Nosferatu is, is kind of absurd, but because it was done at the time... And in black and white, I I think it just makes it kind of just creepier. So exactly. You, exactly. I think, yeah, it's all in how the the filmmakers uh, work it. I mean, you know, the Hammer Studios could not have done a creepy uh, Cthulhu story. <laughs> they just could yeah. not. <laughs> not with the yeah, six no. hairdos and the you know eyeliners. So <laughs> so it does take it t- takes a delicate touch. Because um, because. Lovecraft, what appealed to me the most um, is I'm a prose whore. I just, and he has exquisite prose. He really gets you into that sense of of place with his descriptions and in in what the protagonist is feeling. And it really works. And um, no, I was, to me, it was a happy, happy discovery to find this, <laughs> later in life i guess well, excellent <laughs> one so you know <laughs> but uh yeah it was it was it was a great find because i i know that i recognize these before from other sources badly done <laughs> yeah they definitely a lot of tropes are borrowed from him yeah yeah and and which is cool because he he gave permission for everybody to do that to authors to steal um parts and pieces of his, his mythos and it's ingenious because the more of us do that the more quote-unquote real it seems because throughout uh, other people's um overs uh, of, of their books it uh it becomes this thing that we all we all kind of know about it's in the back and, it's in, the, it's in fact in, one of one yeah. of his most famous parts arkham asylum uh, or was not created, or the Arkham Institute was not created by him, but by his friend Robert E. Howard, who created Conan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lovecraft created Arkham, and as a tribute in the the Black Stone, uh, uh, Howard created this uh, mental institution, and Lovecraft loved that. Yeah. He was so so excited that he used it in uh, the thing at the doorstep. Yeah. Oh my God, that's such a creepy story. <laughs> I love yes, that. it is. One of my favorite ones, and it's like, oh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but it's not, it's not Stephen King kind of scary. It's a different kind. You know, when they call it cosmic horror, that's a good description, I think, because it's, and at the same time, it's like something familiar in us so we all recognize this yes it's it's the otherness i guess it's close but it's so other that it just makes goosebumps all over you um so i mean that's what i love about how he 
you pulled that together and how it still works. I mean, he, he loved Edgar Allan Poe. So, yes. and that's the same thing. It's this Poe is just all dread and things that we recognize, but we don't want to look at it. And, you know, so I understand. I mean, that's, and that became literature later. And, and of course, uh, Lovecraft wanted his work to be considered literature. But like so many, I guess you could call them pulp authors of the time, uh, like Raymond Chandler, act, you know, wonderful crime dramas from Raymond Chandler, Philip Marlowe, uh, a hard-boiled detective. But during his time, he, he really wanted to have, he really wanted it to be considered literature, and it, it, it just wasn't going to happen. Because the, his, his books and many others, including, I think, some Lovecraft, were pulp books. They were 10-cent you know, paperbacks made of pulp paper, cheap, that you would throw away, you know, if, if when you got done. <laughs> so, you know, that's not going to be literature until later, of course, when we all consider it literature, father of, of this kind of um, horror drama. But, you know, and it took Poe that way, too. So, um, to me, it's it's very interesting how how literature quote-unquote literature evolves um i guess you have to die first <laughs> yeah a couple of generations to go by before you're considered a classic <laughs> yeah i think i think and and he even writes it several times and even met him once i think a lot of it he he very much wanted to be lord dunsay yeah uh, dunsay. Mm -hmm. and he did he did actually meet lord dunsay once oh yeah uh, at a reading and so uh but exactly he's much more popular now than uh, yeah. he was in the 20s and the 30s and and just really uh really spans the whole uh the whole genre of uh from horror to uh you know what uh, fantasy sci-fi uh, and just so, almost like simmering in the background. You know, you can write your story and then go, oh yeah, you know what? I'm going to take a little element from that that I that I read and use that as, as part of my story. Because he's just always there. You know what I found? I uh, discovered something. My son let me um, in on this book. Uh, some of your listeners may have heard of this. Um, the King in Yellow mm, by, by Chambers. Uh, Robert W. Chambers. Yeah. Totally, totally something that Lovecraft probably enjoyed too. I mean, the king, I, you know, I don't know. Absolutely, we, we, we have we have comments of him about Chambers. Oh, good, great, because the King in Yellow, at least the first, was it four or five stories in the in the book, is is awesome of that stuff. Or you know, the, the, for those who haven't heard of it, the King in Yellow was supposed to be this play that if you read it, it. it causes you to go mad and see things that aren't there paintings that every day you look at it it's something's a little different in it and it's just it's just again this anxiety inducing sort of thing kind of like you know the movie the ring only people aren't necessarily dying but they're they're driving themselves mad and throwing themselves from, from windows and things so so each each of the what each of the first four or five stories i'm not i'm not sure has the the motif 
or the theme of the king in yellow in it. So somebody gets a copy of it and now they're going to read it or somebody's trying to get it from them so they could read it. It's just it's just a great, a wonderful idea for a, for a tale, for a scary kind of tale. Uh, absolutely. I really love uh, the repair of reputations. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where uh, I had a discussion recently um, with one of our guests and we were, to, you know, is this person crazy? Is this person right? Or is this universe, is the universe warping around the yeah. narrator? It's just yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's great stuff. And there was, there's probably more out there that we, nobody really paid attention to. And they're probably yeah. in some, you So know, you want to hear something terrible? I'm sorry? You want to hear something terrible? Yes. <laughs> so Chambers had a whole lot of unwritten stories. Oh, no. And after he passed away, his son burned them all. Oh, no. That's so cool. I've always thought, is this is, you know, sort of like, yeah, know, if, if only we had those stories. Yeah, but but his his son, who well, he wasn't on very good relationships with, burned all the unpublished Chambers stories. What a shame. What a shame. And, you know, I'm sure that happened all the time. <laughs> Somebody yeah. had a religious uh, thing and, and said, nope. I'm going to get, these are all satanic. I'm getting rid of them, you know? So what a shame. Yeah. Well, but we have, we have Lovecraft. So. um, And and, and we do, we're lucky we have the chambers that we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm, it's funny because I had not heard of it before. And, uh, you know, when I mention it to other people, they have not heard of it before. And, and that's again, another shame because, when we deal with literature in high school and college, um, the classes are what you typically think they're going to be about. Shakespeare, Austin, other, you know, British uh, writers. Maybe H.G. Wells, if we're lucky. If you're lucky, but not, you know, not some of these, these others in other genres. It seems like, you know, the, uh, in college, particularly universities, they're only just beginning to introduce genre literature to to students. Because yeah. before it was all, it had to be literary, it had to be up there and uh, classics. It couldn't be, you know, Raymond Chandler, it couldn't be uh, appreciating the crime literature of the, of the time. And, uh, and the same with the horror. I mean, there's so much you can, use as a writer there's so much you can use in your own work just just the sense of uh of of the feelings that it evokes and you know to me that's part of being a writer is doing lots of reading and you know readers always come up to me and say where do you get your ideas well everywhere including things that i read it's not that i'm you know wholesale stealing ideas and and whole story plot ideas but it's just taking the the feelings the sensations you're getting from what you're reading and and trying to repeat that in whatever you're writing so when i discovered that that lovecraft liked the idea of people using his his stuff to keep the mythos going i indeed used Rylian uh, in my Book of the Hidden series. So there are 
there are chants and spells that where they're using Raelian. Uh, they also have a copy of Necronomicon, <laughs> so they can get some stuff out of that. And um, and in the my current Steampunk Enchanter Chronicles series, um, I do use the the idea of uh, of old ones and and godlike creatures with tentacle faces and and things like that, because. Because if people haven't read Lovecraft, they are still familiar with the mythos, you know? And the tropes. The, yeah, all the tropes, the tentacle faces and, and scary big things that make you ill just to see them in the, in the fog, you know? So that's, that's, that's wonderful, and I was happy to steal that from him. <laughs> You know, and we, we talked a little bit about the, the king of Ye and king yellow, who is his Hastar, right? Right. Hastar was created by um, Ambrose Pierce. Okay, yeah. And uh, as the god of the shepherd, mm -hmm. and then Chambers took that, mm -hmm. and then Lovecraft took it from Chambers. Yeah, I think there was a lot more of that in your Victorian time period. That yeah. It was okay. You know, copyright was just a little iffy here and there anyway. But I don't I don't think they minded and they, and I think the, like the Lovecraft was was a little flattered when they thought when you use their their stuff. Um oh, and he definitely it, encouraged it. He encouraged it. Oh yeah. So I think that that, that that was more florid um, uh, and fluid in, in, in that time period than we tend to do now. I mean, people get uh, a little a little uh, annoyed, maybe, <laughs> if you start using parts of their books for things. There's, there's lawyers involved everywhere, <laughs> so you have to be careful. But I'm glad that they, um, they they were a little more fluid in their uh, storytelling between authors and stories. Yeah, a, Love, a Lovecraft gift. said that you have to plan it like a hoax. You know, he's yeah. got to plan a little evidence and then Robert E. Howard to plan a little evidence uh -huh. and, yeah. and then, you know, the next writers. And so that the person's, even if they know it's not true, their subconscious is saying, well, wait a minute, this is yeah. multiple sources. Yeah, <laughs> conspiracy theories in Victorian times. Yeah, yep. yeah. No, I like that. I, it just it just rounds it all out for me. It's it makes it just makes it a, a more encompassing and and just a little scarier. Just a little scarier. And Victorians they liked their they liked the darkness. They liked heavy things, cloths with tassels on their tables and lots of drapery and and that only only opens up more shadows and things to wonder about when the when it's everything's just lit by by gas lamp or or candles and uh you know you imagine if you're living that life anyway and then you're reading these stories it had to scare the crap out of you <laughs> in a delightful way <laughs> yeah and, and, and the roller coaster way you know yeah. i'm afraid but i yeah. love the roller coaster yeah, no, it was it's fabulous, and I it's just it's a wonderful discovery to just keep going on with with that. Uh, you know, speaking of prose, can I read just a paragraph from 
um, the picture in the house. Oh, just please. A paragraph which, is one of, which is one of his earliest, but still one of my favorite stories. Yeah. So it's just a, because this is, this is describing um, <clears throat> an area um, very, uh, this was, in, well, Innsmouth. So, um, so here it, here it is. It's just a little, this little paragraph. <clears throat> 200 years and more, they have leaned or squatted there while the vines have crawled and the trees have swelled and spread. They are almost luxuriances of green and guardian shrouds of shadows, but the small paned windows still stare shockingly as if blinking through a lethal stupor, which wards off madness by dulling the memory of unutterable things. I mean, that's just gold right there. Yes. <laughs> that's what I mean by prose and being a prose whore. It's it's just stuff like that. It's describing houses <laughs> and how uh, creepy uh, those little houses in Innsmouth are. But um, Arkham. And, and I appreciate that you read that because you know I, you know I have a JD and I have all my life. Oh. And when I started listening to Lovecraft as opposed to reading it, I got a much much better appreciation of his work. Mm, yeah. Well, it's it's so dense with description. I mean, and that, and that was, of course, a style in that time period, just because a lot of these are being released in magazines and such. And so, you know, you're getting paid by the word. But it, it's, but he, he's really giving you this gift of, of just being able to see it and smell it and feel it. So that, that's, that's what you want. And, you know, that's just a paragraph. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's good stuff. So... Uh, Innsmouth, being close to Arkham, <laughs> there's Arkham. Yeah. Um, Innsmouth is a little like um, Deliverance in Massachusetts. <laughs> you know, the, yes, the movie Deliverance, um, the inbreeding and the, the just the creepiness. But Arkham is a little like that, too. Um, it's just, it's not the best little town to live in, even though you've got... Miskatonic University, which uh, I, I love. There was a, there, I had a sweatshirt at one time with that on it. <laughs> Miskatonic <laughs> University. Um, but uh, it's, and of course, we can't forget Batman, who uses Arkham Asylum as part of their, their mythos. So, and, and that came from, and I actually got a chance to speak with this person before he passed away, but Denny O'Neill. And I asked him, he first appears in uh, oh, The Horror of the Two-Faced Coin or something. Mm. And I asked him, were you inspired by Lovecraft? And he says, absolutely. All of us comic book guys, we just love the pulps. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, they're getting their, they're getting all the, the creepy drawings from, the, from just the imagery that they're getting from the books. I mean, creep show. <laughs> think of that yeah. as a comic book i mean that scared the pants off of me when i was a kid i used to you know sneak those into the house because my mother never would have let me read that yeah <laughs> but uh, that was one of my favorites so yeah the it's just this imagery that is so prolific throughout the genres for everything that you you want to use that you know i ask any uh person that writes horror or that that uh, produces a television show with horror. I don't think any of them has not 
read Lovecraft. Oh, I agree. Or or at least influenced by Lovecraft. Yeah, in some way. But I am waiting for some ultimate film, at least. You know, and you have to set it in the time period that it was written, because I think that makes it darker and 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 um, and more unknowable. So I, I, they always talk about something in the works, but then I never see it happening. Yeah. No, by far, I think the best I've seen is the the H.P. Lovecraft uh, Historical Society. Yeah. They are definitely good. worth, uh, worth we'll checking out. I'll we'll have to look that up. But honestly, come on. we got to do something now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm going to get these goats up into the, the trailer, but I... I, I wasn't I didn't know that that was a, a true thing. I thought you were making a joke about that. Like yeah. you you've got some go to Olympics to get to. So. Yeah. But we would love to have you back on the show. Oh, that would be delightful. Can't I love wait talking to about some. my favorite things. So, real quickly though, where can we find you? Well, again, jerrywesterson.com. Uh, all my books are up there on Amazon. Some wonderful audiobooks, I'd like to add. Um, my uh, Enchanter Chronicles, the steampunk gas lamp fantasy series. I have the most fantastic narrator for that. And he does hundreds of voices, and he's a true performer. That's a lot of fun because it's very operatic, a lot of humor, but a lot oh, of cool. other things going on as well. The Demon Device is the first one. The second one is. Um, Clockwork Gypsy, and like I said, the third one that will be released this December is uh, Library of the Damned, and uh, you can find all out about uh, some of my appearances on my website, and I hope to have an in-person book launch for that in October, so be looking for that. Excellent. Well, we will definitely plan on having you on in October or before so that we can hear more about it. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank well, I appreciated this today. Thank you, David. This has been lots of fun. I did get to hear some of your farm animals in the background. <laughs> yep, Ralph is out there. I was enjoying that. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's me, D.B. Spitzer, back again with Ken Height. Ken, how are you doing this time? Doing good. good. Uh, it's sunny outside in Chicago, but yeah. it promises to get nice this weekend when I'm going to go out and run around and see actual live music in an Ooh. actual bar, just like I lived in a city. Sounds, pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, speaking of cities, uh, one city that we've talked about a lot in the past has been Arkham, Massachusetts. And you've got that wonderful book, uh, the, uh, what, Lovecraft Country, The Destinations, I believe it's called? Tour to Lovecraft. Tour to Lovecraft. The Destinations. All so. right. If you remember my earlier book, Tour to Lovecraft, The Tales, this mm -hmm. is volume two. And where the first one just sort of looked at the stories, this looks at the locations, the places in Lovecraft. Because, of course, Lovecraft is so, you know, he even says it himself. He's uh, He has such an extraordinary geographic sensitivity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, that uh, and, and such a great way of depicting setting. Yeah. Uh, in, in, to my mind, uh, it's him and M.R. James and everyone else is, you know, back in the list. Uh, that uh, his settings, I think unsurprisingly, have become sort of, um, uh, you know, lodestones or, or whatever you want to call it. The, given the relatively small amount of words that we have, even on Arkham, mm -hmm. which is only in like five stories, sure. 
uh, and then it's mentioned in like three others, we still, you know, it, it has just as much uh, sort of magnetic attraction to us as, you know, you know, the Shire, right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. has got, you know, a whole, you know, half of uh, the first volume of the Lord of the Rings is, is set there. Yeah. So I, I feel like the, the sort of the economy with which he paints it, and, and, and it, it's like, you know, you can have a whole topographic map of an area, mm-hmm. or you can have a tiny, perfect, you know, like a Monet painting of the area, and which do you, which inspires you more? And I think that Lovecraft does not, uh, with the exception of uh, Innsmouth, mm-hmm. uh, give us topographic maps. He gives us those little, um, uh, those little paintings, those perfect uh, images. And Arkham is like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Where are we going to find Arkham? What 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 are these five stories in which Arkham lives? Where we are informed about Arkham? Um, it's mostly uh, uh, in the unnameable mm-hmm. uh, Herbert West reanimator, a part of which is set in Arkham. Yeah. Uh, the Silver Key, which is more of a meditation on Arkham. Sure. Uh, you'll you'll learn more about the old Carter farm, uh, the dreams in the witch house, obviously, mm-hmm. and thing on the doorstep are the two. Uh, main sort of Arkham stories. Uh, Arkham is, you know, Miskatonic at least gets a look in in Dunwich Horror. Yeah. Uh, the guys come from Arkham in Colorado Space, but mm-hmm. we never see it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's uh, a bit of a backdrop um, at the very beginning of Shadow Out of Time. Again, mostly because of Miskatonic University. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the the actual physical nature of Arkham, the sort of what does it look like, what does it feel like sort of stuff that you would expect to be getting, you know, like Dickens's London or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that's in basically the unnameable Dreams of the Witch House and Thing on the Doorstep. Those are the ones that are about Arkham, the place, uh, in that way. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's really, like I said, a remarkable impression that we have of Arkham given the very few words that he spends on it. Cool. Very cool, Ken. And if we wanted to find uh, Lovecraft, the destination, where would we find? I mean, uh, <laughs> tour to Lovecraft, the destinations. Is, is, is it out or is it still in process? It is. Um, you can absolutely go to the Atomic Overmind website yeah. and get the PDF if Ooh. that will suit your needs. Yeah. Uh, the hard covers are in America. They are being assembled by the crack team of people who ship them places. Nice. Uh, so maybe they'll start shipping by the time this airs. Maybe not. This is a a, a publisher problem, not an author problem. Thank sure. God. So I um uh, I, I I just sort of nod and smile uh, when I'm told. Uh, but I'm I'm hoping that we'll maybe be able to have some at the Lovecraft Film Festival in Providence, which Ooh. I will be at nice. uh, as my consolation prize for not getting to go to the Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland. Cool. Very cool. Hopefully we'll see you there. Um, I have to say, of a book of yours that I recently picked up, it's kind of yours, but someone else's as well, uh, I picked up the PDF for uh, King in Yellow, annotated by you, and it Ah! is amazing i love reading it it's 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 just ruiner of reputations how you just kind of lay it out and just like this is amazing i i wish i had this 10 years ago <laughs> and i highly well, recommend i wish i'd had it 10 years ago i had to write it yeah <laughs> yeah no and and it's just like it's an amazing resource and if you really want to figure out what the hell chambers was talking about if, if some things are like kind of ambiguous for you ken really kind of lays it out and i highly recommend checking it out if you can find it i got it part of the uh the, the, the uh, bundle of holding, and I just got it 
I, I mostly got it for for the, the the novels that you and Robin wrote, or the novels that Robin wrote and the annotated King in Yellow. And I'm like, I'll check out this RPG that I've been wanting to check out for a couple of years now. <laughs> yep. So yeah. Well, uh, hope you enjoy the RPG. Glad yeah. that you uh, liked my little uh, dive into chambers. I think that that text certainly, and uh, I will stand out very very alone and say even Chambers himself. Uh, always bears more looking at. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I am, I'm certainly not the first word on Chambers. Yeah. I'm almost the first word on Chambers. Good, but good. anything Brian Stableford has talked about, you are now the second smartest person to talk about, <laughs> in my estimation. And uh, I can only hope that maybe this sort of opens the door to people like you who've always wanted to know stuff. And then maybe the, the, the next one of me comes along and says, well, height was all right for, you know, 2020. But <laughs> now, you know, it, it, you know, Chambers is like Lovecraft. He's yeah. like um, James. He's like Mac. And he's like all these these sort of really uh, strong horrorists mm -hmm. that you can keep reexamining them. You can keep picking stuff up. We're still annotating Sherlock Holmes stories, for God's oh, yeah. sake. Oh, yeah. And, and getting new stuff out of it. Thank um, goodness. We're, uh, you know. Klinger annotated Lovecraft and oh, found stuff that such a good book. and Cannon didn't find. Yeah. And who would have bet that there was stuff lying on the ground that Joshi and and Peter Cannon, of all people, I mean, not to slight Joshi, but Peter Cannon, yeah. of all people, hadn't found. I mean, and <laughs> Klinger did it. So yeah. there's always going to be something out there. And I'm just, you know, I, I sort of, I guess I did the first big, good job of it. Um, and But it's, I, I can't believe it will be the last. Because Chambers is, you know, you know, too important and and too good, uh, even if it's just in those four or five stories, yeah. uh, it's still worth reading. Very cool. Thank you again, Ken. And we'll have you on sometime soon, I'm sure, to talk about something else: horror, Lovecraft, cosmic horror. And if you like what you've heard from Ken, uh, check out Ken and Robin talk about stuff. It's a much better podcast than mine. And it has better hosts than me. <laughs> well, there's two of us. We team up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, if, if we stood on each other's shoulders, we'd be taller than you. Certainly. So, certainly. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. No problem, man. And we're back. Dave, that was an awesome interview. Way to go. Um, yeah. So let's see. Let's let's talk about recommendations. You have got my interests peaked. What have you been watching that's been a guilty pleasure as of late? So in the last seventy-two hours, in fact, right before you called, sure. I just finished the second, the last episode of the second season. Oh, and it is Sky Rojo. Sky Rojo. Yes. Um, so have you ever wondered what would happen if uh, Telenovo? Uh, uh, you know, the, the Mexican or Hispanic or uh, Spanish, novellas? Uh, you know, yeah, telenovelas. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Fell in love and um, had a baby with a grindhouse movie. Ooh. So this is by the same people who do. And it's pretty popular. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Money Heist. OK. All right. So um, and the story. And this is such a guilty pleasure because this, sure. this is the definition uh, of grindhouse okay uh, so basically it takes place on an island uh offside of spain uh-huh where in true grindhouse fashion three prostitutes end up accidentally killing their 
uh, their madam and nearly beating their their pimp to death. Oh wow! And they have to escape on the road. Yeah. And they're chased down, and that this you find out that that uh, two of the girl, well, one of the girls was trafficked trafficked from Cuba. Uh-huh. Uh, another is trying to make money to support her lover who basically ditched her, and the third has this sort of hidden secret that why she's basically hiding in, in a, a brothel. Oh, wow. Where, where she committed this terrible crime. That's the only place that she can hide. Hmm. Uh, and so it, it is very grindhouse. The second season is much darker, uh, but in the blood is obviously CGI. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there is probably... They don't. They never ever glorify the prostitution mm-hmm. or or the the trafficking. Yeah. And but they these are very very well done characters that in this particular case are put in a situation that they have to escape from, um, and it's sort of a the one the the one bad day scenario mm-hmm. that goes for, on for about a week through the through season one and two and they're hoping to make an announcement on season three so obviously not everyone's cup of tea no extremely grindhouse yeah covers a lot of things that people would not be comfortable talking about mm-hmm. but and, and each episode is, is only like 25 minutes long and there, there's eight episodes a season yeah so yeah, that that that's my and it's the the first two seasons are on uh, Netflix. Cool, very cool, very cool. I have been watching something on YouTube that is a little different than that. Actually, it's it's a lot different. Um, I've been watching this guy called the Real Jims J I M S, and I've been watching uh, just people well, this particular guy break down and go through inconsistencies and bring up bigger mysteries and plot holes in who shot mr burns part one and two <laughs> of no, the simpsons no, there's no plot holes in, ever in the simpsons oh. they always tie back into other episodes certainly there's no inconsistency in what 23 years of the simpsons over 30 years of a television show i quit watching it after 12 seasons just because of the fact that i you know worked jobs in the middle of the night or it wasn't a high priority and then i'd talk to people about it and be like don't worry about it it's not good anymore and i'm like oh well, that's a bummer and i'd catch uh treehouse of horror i, I you know I always watch treehouse of horror love treehouse yeah. of horror but it's it's going into like alternative plots and like coming up and speaking about divergent timelines, if that's a thing that's going on, why, you know, in one season, this character won't even exist, but in this season, this character's back, or how care. Anyway. It has nothing to do with the fact that Apu was basically insensitive, even though they tried <laughs> to write him as a noble character and had no thought of contacting the Southeast Asian community and oh, get geez. their input. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, we're not even going into that stuff. We're 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 yeah, no, but it's it's like just uh just interesting like uh kind of like alternate theories on 
why Grandpa Simpson acted like this or like deep dives into history about various characters and like just like um, histories on characters, backgrounds on characters. Like according to the Simpsons, this is this character's timeline and uh, they bring up a lot of kind of like a uh, comic book timeline. I, you, you know how super, okay, Bruce Wayne is 35 years old. Bruce Wayne is always about 29 to 35 years old. He's been doing this since 39. (laughs) And technology has changed around him. The Batcave has changed around him. Presidents have changed around him. But Batman is always roughly the same age. And they're kind of doing that, uh, saying, like, this is the reason why, yes, Abe Simpson may have always fought in World War II, but that would make him now this many years old. And if uh, Marge and Homer always have their prom in the late 70s, then this is why, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of fun explanations. They po you know, it's, as, as long as you're like kind of familiar with uh, concepts regarding comic books and media in general that kind of follow like weird timelines and don't get too far into like divergent timelines and stuff like that. It's pretty fun and interesting. And as I said, I was a huge fan of the show and I watched it and then kind of like was like, eh, I'm done. I'm okay. Yeah. And then would like get irritated when like uh, my line cooks or a uh, friend of the house staff would like quote Simpsons. And it's like, would, don't you have anything better to do than anyway? I love the Simpsons first 12 seasons. I can't say anything about anything after that. I can't say I don't like it. Oh, there's Roy. Ralph. Ralph. Ralph, Ralph I'm sorry. Ralph likes the Simpsons. <laughs> That's good. Ralph the Rooster. Ralph the Rooster approves good, of the first good. 12 years of The Simpsons. Yeah. And, you know, at, at some point in time, I, I do plan on uh, checking out some other seasons. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, not not this moment. But, yeah, no, I I, I, te- I highly recommend uh, The the Real Gems, I think is I think the name is. Uh, so, hey. That- That is it for uh, media recommendations. Uh, let's let's talk about. Oh, Roy want, uh, <laughs> Ralph wants us to continue, but yes. I, 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 I or, or maybe Ralph is being like, hurry Ralph up. Ralph is very passionate about season eleven of The Simpsons. <laughs> you know that is my favorite season as well. But let's let's talk about D and D on C O C R P G and D and D. Uh, I'm not making a new theme song. I love the old theme song. But uh, what what about uh, how how would you use this uh, this this uh, this fire guy this this uh, Afumzama or I always mess it up. Uh, how how would you use that in a campaign? Well, in some ways, the um, Chaosium has done a lot of the legwork mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm. they've taken the the you know unnameable unexplainable unimaginable horror mm-hmm. and given it hit points <laughs> so you know they, they, they've got it the, you know the new book there's there's two pages on him and uh, i'm sure that he's in all the other editions and you know e old book of monsters which i think was their like their first one sure yeah so so I think too, you could use it anything 
where you're doing the Hyborians mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and or I guess it's Hyperboreans. I, I Hyperboreans, Hyperboreans. I always get the two confused. Sure, sure. But I guess it's actually the Hyperboreans. Mm-hmm. So um, if you are doing an archaeological exploration in Greenland Ooh. or or maybe you know maybe just like in you know the the Lynn Carter story mm-hmm. the, the you know the 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 monk frees tries to free or well, monk does free Alphazar to and it ends up trying to save his his country but mm-hmm. it ends up freezing it maybe there's some crazy guy that's trying to end global warming Ooh, that's a good and, one and so he's going to use Afazam to, to try but he doesn't realize it's going to bring about an ice age so you got to stop him so his heart's in the right place he's trying to end global warming yeah but he, he's using it with this fragment that was pulled off of a, a meteor it turns out to be you know the, the, the eye or the spleen of, sure. of Afumza. Yeah. Whoa. I like those ideas. Uh, my, my, my idea, my, my, my one idea is you know you're ending your campaign. End it with a blast. Or, you know, kind of like we gotta, we have to stop the world from ending. If, if, Anything that we've read in the past, we know that this is going to be a huge world end world ender for either our D and D campaign or our Call of Cthulhu campaign or whatever game you're playing. Have some mad monk, uh, you know, reveal that they're going to do this. Maybe find out through letters. Maybe you know, uh, some way overhear something. Whatever, but. Make that your main plot hook, that the, the end campaign. It's like, hey, uh, as gamers, this group is breaking up. Let's destroy the world that we've built over the last 15 years. Great way to go out. I mean, it's like you could do it kind of like, um, I don't know. Did you ever uh, play that campaign that uh, I think TSR wrote <laughs> when uh, second edition was about to like go out and uh, third edition was about to come in with like, Die Vecna Die. <laughs> no, I have not. I'm not familiar with they, that. One. They created a series of uh, like pretty big campaigns that were world enders. They're like your D and D world is about to collapse, and it's just kind of like just kind of like how to scour away your uh, your campaign. And I I always thought that was kind of a cool concept. It's like oh yeah, let's 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 have a real world ender. Or the other thing I was thinking of is like. How do you take a, like, I don't know, say say you have, like, a, a game set in, like, a sword and sandal game that's set in kind of, like, a deserty kind of thing. A lot of savannas, a lot of high mountain chaparral kind of stuff. And you want it to be, like, more, like, people struggling, make it even more hardcore. Bring in an ice god to go, you know what? It's the Ice Age now. And then just... Boom, everything change overnight. You can kill off cities. You can do all kinds of stuff and just be like, hey, it's the Ice Age. It's unexplained, all of a sudden, Ice Age. And I don't know. I think those are my, my two really kind of dumb, lazy ideas to use. Yeah, I would say dumb. <laughs> okay. 
I'll, will I'll say lazy. The, the laziest thing, <laughs> the laziest thing you could do, and I think it's actually kind of a good idea. Sure. Throw them in instead of Ethiqua. Ooh. If you got, so if you got, if you got players that are like, they know more than their characters. Yeah. You know, they've read, they know all the Ethiqua stories. Mm-hmm. You know, so they think, oh, this is Ethiqua. Look and. No, hit them with something different. Yeah, yeah. Don't because and, because in, until until this radio podcast made him famous, Avazaz is you know he's one of the lesser known ones. Now you know, now that he's on our show, he's of course everybody will know about him and be talking about him. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So let's let's go with our our, our, our other topic for this this month, Arkham. How would you use Arkham as a setting in an RPG? Which is probably one of the dumbest things I've. No, okay, I'm gonna take that back. It's something that I've said. How would you use Arkham in an RPG, Dave? So, so the Call of Cthulhu, it's easy. Sure. I mean, they've got like three or four books on it. Yeah. You know, I look around it. You know, they got a book on Mesopotamic University. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They got Arkham. Yeah. But first time I ever wrote a letter to a company mm-hmm. is ABC. It had to be like 10, 12 years ago. They had this short series called Rome. I, it was, I think it was, it was Rome or whatever or Empire. Mm-hmm. It was ripping off like you know HBO's version. Sure. And in this series, they had the city of the gladiators. Aha. Uh-huh. Where this was the city of madness, and where all the gladiators go there to learn to be gladiators, and they just you know killing people on the street, and they called it. Arkham. Hmm. And I was right on the go, Arkham's not a Latin word. How can you put this on the, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and they ignored me. Yeah. But, but so, you know, but I thought that, you know, uh, I'm, I mean, I can't imagine it not knowing where Arkham came from. I have a feeling uh, but, your anger lasted longer than the show. <laughs> it did. It was like six episodes. I don't even think it was planned on. And it wasn't. If it wasn't Rome or Empire, it was something. It was like some ripoff that was inspired by you know sure. Gladiator. Yeah. But but so Arkham the Arkham the city of, of gladiators mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and the craziness is not necessarily. And maybe it is. Maybe maybe it's spurred on and energized by these dark gods, or maybe it's just that. Because this city is is crazy, because it's just its entire existence and econ- economy is based on gladiators and yeah. and fighting and death, and that there are no laws. Hmm. I was gonna say uh, Arkham, Arkham. I, I I really kind of feel like could be any Ivy League town, any Ivy League school city. Uh, the big problem is is that it has. Uh, if, if if we're gonna go with uh, the RPG, it has the uh, rare books collection that uh, exists at uh, Miskatonic University. It has Miskatonic University, which people over the years have said, "Oh, this person was here, and this person was here, and that person was actually this person." And and in this collection, there's this, and all all the various things that writers and game designers have come up with, but. The big bad that's at Miskatonic University is they have a copy of the Necronomicon on display that draws the type, you know, draws in people like Wilbur Waitley, I'm sure had something to do with Azaneth Waite wanting to go there. 
and, I don't know, affects all kinds of people. I mean, you know, Herbert West didn't go to Arkham uh, d despite what people will try and tell you in various stories or movies or whatever. Uh, he, he, he went to medical school somewhere in Switzerland, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. But uh, you have people showing up and writing stuff about various Lovecraftian uh, protagonists, antagonists, all kind of swarming around Arkham. Uh, I don't know. And, and maybe the reason that Arkham is uh, where it is or might have to do with uh, Deep Ones, where they're at. Or, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, we can't have the school too close to us. But I don't know. It's like, what is it? Is it just, you know, we have like uh, Kingsport, which is full of ancient wizards. We've got um, Innsmouth with its uh, Deep Ones. I don't know. It's 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 like Arkham exists because it's so close to these things, because it has this book. I don't know. Could any place be Arkham if it was close to ancient wizards and I don't know, I Oh oh definitely. You <laughs> could take like you could take Salem, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. or Portland, Oregon yeah. and take aspects. But I'm thinking what if you're doing like a, a GURPS or or even a Call of Cthulhu, let's say like it's a one shot. Yeah. And it takes place in Arkham, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and everybody, you know, you know, people, everyone, oh, they were so embarrassed with the stuff that Lovecraft wrote. Yeah, and, and you know, they're investigating, and, and it's almost Scooby Doo. Yeah, it turns out, well, no, it's not supernatural. It's you know, people that are based. Maybe it's crazy people, or maybe mm -hmm. it's a cult, but they don't have any supernatural powers. Sure. And and they're they 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 come to Arkham because of you know that's where the stories took place. Sure, sure. What if, what if all of the stuff that happens in Arkham has nothing, no no basis in reality, except for the fact that uh, sometime in the late 1800s, a meteorite fell onto the Gardner farm, and uh, then they built a reservoir over it, and then everything that happened after that is all in people's brains, because <laughs> they're being poisoned by the color out of space. But yeah, I don't know, because <laughs> it's like there's so much stuff that happens in and around Arkham that's totally not related to each other. Like the stuff that happens in Color Out of Space, totally not related to the stuff that happens in Whisper and Darkness. It just happens to be that Miskatonic University happens to have a lot of people who know stuff about old stuff. I mean, the stuff that happened to uh, Wingate Peasley, is, um, I think I'm getting their name right, uh, had nothing to do with anything else. It's, it's like all these things are super unconnected and would not have anything to do with each other, except for, in some cases, the thing that links them all together is the Necronomicon. Like, someone says, oh, I know something about the Necronomicon. Oh, I know what this is uh, in Antarctica because someone told me about what they read in the Necronomicon. It's I don't that, know. That's always been sort of, but that's <laughs> sort of the part where I have to sort of hold my disbelief. Yeah. And yeah, mountains of madness. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, I I don't know if you heard it, but Ralph uh, told you how to pronounce uh, Peasley's name in the ancient language of oh, the roosters. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, I heard that. I just didn't know. Yeah, no. Uh, Arkham, I feel like, can be used, but I feel like it should be used sparingly. Like, 
I don't know. Uh, I've, I've, I've used Arkham in Call of Cthulhu games in the past, and then everyone wants to, like, let's go back to Arkham. We can find its stuff in Arkham. It's like, oh, man, now I know why Cthulhu Tech blew up Arkham. But... <laughs> well, well, and you could even, you know, you could even, you could even sort of play with that. Um, there's was at least one story and uh, one... Uh, um, uh, oh, uh, adventure on that uh, where um, somebody steals mm-hmm. the the uh, the Necronomicon, mm-hmm. uh, and so you know, so it's either gone or somebody tried to steal it. That the the school puts on such locks that you know even grad students aren't getting in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that could be the adventure breaking into. Oh. Trying to break in, you know, get around all these dogs that they have guarded and, and mm-hmm. uh, the Dunwich Horror. Or, yeah, or just, yeah, say they're locked up or gone. Yeah, no, I, I, I think what might be an interesting story is to have kind of a D&D esque game or have like a Call of Cthulhu Shadowrun type game that doesn't have anything to do with the supernatural yet, but you are hired to, you know, you and your crew of burglars. You know your 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 team, your heist team, uh, are are you know say some uh, group of people who want to collect uh, ancient pieces of civilization for whatever their religious things are. You know, say you have some sort of hobby lobby type who's like, oh, we need to get our hands on these ancient relics and stuff like that. Hey. Uh, we're, we're, we're willing to deal with black market types uh, to get the stuff that we need, to get our archaeological relics and stuff like that. And, you know, say your team is hired, and then they go and get it, but then for some reason the people that hired them to do it are arrested or whatever, and then they have this 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 book that they're like, what is this? And, you know, it's you have a bunch of, like, uh, burglars, uh, criminal types, stuck in a town with nothing to do, you know, waiting for their, their fixer, their contact to show up, and then bad stuff starts happening. What if there's another group that's like, oh, now that this book is no longer protected by whatever it is that protects this book, we can come and get it. Or it's no longer protected by spells and stuff like that. So larger things that exist outside of humanity are aware of it. And are like, it's now sending out a beacon. Yeah, yeah, sending out a beacon to all kinds of stuff. And that could be the reason why the whole area, well, we can't say the whole area because it's not like <laughs> the book had been in Arkham, you know, and drew the uh, the deep ones to, to, to build a city there millions of years ago or anything like that. But, I mean, you could do all kinds of stuff, I, I feel. <laughs> Oh man! While I'm recording this, my screensaver keeps popping up, and it's it's it, it what it my screensaver's been doing lately is like putting up all these tiny yellow signs. It's like what the, and I'm like, oh yeah, talking about the Cthulhu mythos and having that happen is is surprising, even when you set it up yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Arkham, Arkham. You can use Arkham for all kinds of stuff. I feel like. You know, the criminal element thing that I was talking about, you could use that for all kinds of, like, non-horror games and turn them into horror games. Uh, Yeah. Um, Any other ideas you have for, like, what you could use Arkham for there, Dave? 
you know, it's just, I think it can sort of, in a lot of ways, I think Lovecraft tried to make it. I mean, it's obviously based in parts on Providence. Mm-hmm. It's partly based on Salem. Yeah. But I think you're right. He tried to make it basically any East Coast Ivy League city. Yeah. And, and, and I think that you can use that sort of generic it mm-hmm. in its to its advantage. Sure. Or but last, you know, my last thought is it's like the it's like the, um, you know, the uh, uh, plateau of lane. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe some people remember driving by the turnpike and oh, and it's there, and then um, uh, sometimes you know, so sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not, you know, and you drive through one day and you find a, an abandoned city and your car starts driving out by itself, so you got to get back in your car, or you're stuck. And then some next day, it's an, an empty lot. And you know what? I was going to tie it back into something that I spoke about earlier. Something that's really great about Arkham, Massachusetts, is you can treat it like Springfield from The Simpsons or anything from The Simpsons. It is what you need it to be for that story. Like, it, yeah. it, it could be like a quiet hippie town that used to have a college that, you know, it, it could be... A, a thriving college town. It could be, um, you know, what Lovecraft says it is. It could be how Robert E. Howard describes it. it, it it's 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 what you need it for. Uh, the people who occupy it, and what their uh, motives and ideas are. It, it, you know, use it for uh, use it how you would use it. But you know, yeah. Use it sparingly, I want to say. Don't, don't, uh, I don't know. It, it, ah, tr- uh, handling Arkham wrong, you can probably end up with a pretty uh, Monty Hall experience in your D&D or Call of Cthulhu game. <laughs> where yeah. everything, you know, and knowledge is the big, the big goal, uh, the, the, the big thing that you gain in Call of Cthulhu as opposed to magical items. And if you're in Miskatonic University, if you're in Arkham and your characters know about it, they can be like, well, we want to go to here and talk to Henry Armitage. It's like, well, great. Now I have to kill off Henry Armitage before they get the information. You know, this is just, I, I feel like Arkham can be used in so many awesome ways, but also it can be easily overused, which I am totally guilty of. So <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you won't overuse it. Your, your mileage may vary, so... Yeah, there's there's Arkham for you. Yeah, no, I I think it's definitely something, and and you know always you know just catch the players off guard by oh, yeah. you know making it a no magic zone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I personally I I like to use Kingsport and uh, Innsmouth more than I like to use Arkham in a game because Arkham I don't know. Um, <laughs> I feel like. Arkham's used so much. It's like, I would rather use Billington's Woods. I would rather use, I don't know, Aylesbury Pike. Uh, yeah, there's, I don't know, uh, Grover's Corner. No, that's the town in our town. Uh, you can use a lot of different stuff. But, you know, as I said, mileage may vary. And, uh, yeah. 
And if you find yourself using Arkham too much, there are so many little places in Lovecraftiana that you can use. It's like, oh, let's just go here. Let's go here, you know? <laughs> All right. I absolutely agree. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for D&D &D on D&D &D and COCRPG. Uh, and if you're in Sa if Sandy, Oregon next week, yeah. come down and see as Uncle Owen's Farm mm -hmm. enters the Goat Olympic Raisin Eating Contest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Hey, Dave, it's, it's that part of the show where we're uh, winding things down. We're saying goodbye to everyone. Anything that you've got coming up soon that you want to tell anyone about? Do we have anything that... So, uh... we're working on some things, but hopefully we'll make some real public uh, appearances. Ooh. But uh, it's, we're still we're still feeling out COVID. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely on that. Uh, you know, as an agoraphobic, I have a hard time going outside as it is already. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no. Hey, if you're curious about whether or not you should be out, you know, safety first. Just uh, stay inside. And uh, if you have to go outside, put a mask on. You know, I don't feel like I'm telling you anything you don't know. But, hey, be safe. We we want you to listen to more episodes. And we want to see you at conventions in the future. And hey, if you want to see us and you want to help us get out to Providence uh, in a couple of years, if you want to see us out and about, if you want us to be there, let us know. Help us make the show grow. Maybe help Dave buy a chair that doesn't squeak all the time. And subscribe, tell your friends, tell your ma, tell your pa, or I'll send you down to Sofagwa. That's a real shirt now. I've been joking about how I was going to turn that into a shirt. The Ralye Charles shirt is in the shop. PGTTCM.com. Hit the shop and new shirts, and you'll see what we're talking about. It's funny. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can subscribe to us. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, me and Dave are both on Facebook if you want to get in touch with us. If you're a writer, an artist, anything dealing with horror, the Cthulhu mythos, RPG stuff, and you want to get in talk uh, in contact with us and talk to us about stuff, that's the best way to do it, Facebook. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm on, I, I have Facebook on in the background all the time. I'm not a huge Facebook head or anything like that, but yeah. So track us down, find us. And we'll talk to you, we swear. And check out, we've got some new sponsors coming up, and we'll have that in the show notes. Go to the links. You can find guitars and all kinds of other stuff. If you're looking for equipment for musical stuff, pianos, drums, whatever, we've got some awesome stuff going on and some really good deals. Check out Donner. They've got some really great summer deals going on. We'll talk about that in the show notes. And thank you again so much. My timer's going off telling me I need to wrap it up. Dave, speaking of wrapping up, anything that you want to say before we take off into that dark, cold night? Bye. We'll see you in the same Cthulhu time and the same Cthulhu channel next week. Ooh. When we'll be talking about the Cthulhu mythos, according to my notes. See you then, everyone. Thank you for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. This episode was brought to you by patrons and listeners like you. 
you can go to the show notes and find out how to support the show, how to buy t-shirts, stickers, and all that kind of fun stuff. If you want to get on the show, if you've got something you want to let the world know about that's Cthulhu, mythos-related, or tangential, or tentacle, I don't know, uh, contact Dave Heath. David Heath will be the person to talk to if you've got, you know... Uh, audio that you want to send in, I'm the person to talk to. If you've got video, if you've got uh, images, if you've got stickers, not stickers, um, if you have illustrations, I've got stickers. Contact me. Thank you so much. PGTTCM.com Editor's note. The uh, horrors of uh, natural disasters, uh, book stuff that I've been having on at the end of this show, uh, since this episode went past an hour and a half, I am just going to tack that on as a separate episode. So if you are looking for part 13 in natural Disa- Great Natural Disasters and Other Horrors by William H. Godfrey, uh, you will find that in an episode right after this um, I'm going to work on that right now. And again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. We think you're great. I mean, you're a smart person. You're listening to this podcast. Thank you.